Greetings, Joseph Kursky here with you on another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. Today's Thinking Spatially episode is Web Mapping. Maps anywhere, at any time, of any place. Web Mapping. Entering an address into your smartphone, a web browser, or an in-vehicle GPS device and getting turn-by-turn directions, a photograph at each turn, and a map or satellite image wherever you desire along the way is a task performed by millions of people around the world on a daily basis. But this capability of geocoding addresses, placing addresses on a map, has only been available for 20 years. This capability was developed with considerable investments of time and money and depended upon other advancements in geographic technology. It has revolutionized the teaching of, study of, and application of geography. How did those address ranges get attached to streets in the first place? It didn't happen overnight. It took a major effort from the U.S. Census Bureau over many decades. The Census Bureau had an interest in automating the process of counting the forms that people returned from the population and housing census, tabulating them to the correct geographic area for the purpose of legislative redistricting, and for government program allocation and many other uses. By the 1960s, door-to-door surveys were becoming too expensive and difficult, boundaries and streets were changing more rapidly than ever before, and an increasing urban population living in dwellings with regular street addressing opened the door to create a national digital street map. Local agencies worked with the Census Bureau to develop address coding guides for the 1970 census, eventually becoming the Geographic Base File Dual Independent Map Encoding, or GBF-DIME, files for metropolitan areas for the 1980 census, the first digital street map with addresses. The development of GIS convinced local agencies that automation of their map data was essential for the long-term efficiency of their organizations, and that sharing these databases with the Census Bureau could help them gain expertise, reduce costs, and standardize some procedures with other agencies. During the 1980s, the digital databases for the metropolitan areas were expanded to the entire country of the USA, called the Topologically Integrated Geographic Encoding and Referencing, T-I-G-E-R, or TIGER system. USGS Digital Line Graphs, DLGs, were used in rural areas where no digital census street map yet existed, and these files, along with digital orthophoto quads and paper aerial photographs, were used to update the spatial accuracy of the TIGER system from the 1980s into the 1990s. The development of the Federal Geographic Data Committee in 1990 and increased recognition that sharing of GIS databases among federal agencies, as well as data attribute and accuracy standards, helped guarantee that the TIGER system would continue to be updated, and it has. In some ways, it was logical that such an innovation would come out of the Census Bureau. Every 10 years, the agency is faced with the formidable task of conducting an accurate population and housing census of one of the most populous nations on Earth and disseminate the results quickly and efficiently to a wide variety of stakeholders and data users. Virtually all census data must be geographically referenced. Maps are used in the field by enumerators to augment data collection in printed and electronic publications, and as an accompaniment to statistical data tabulations. 
The first map produced for the census was Debose map using results from the 1850 census, followed by the first statistical atlas in 1874, and more to follow from the office of the census's Henry Gannett, a geographer and an important 19th century cartographer, explorer, and chief geographer for the USGS. The Census Bureau used Herman Hollerith's punch cards and an electronic tabulating machine to help process the 1890 census, spawning the Computer Tabulating Recording Company that eventually became IBM. For 1910, the 1910 census that is, Dr. Walter Laidlaw pers persuaded the Census Bureau to adopt his idea of permanent small areas that could be used to compare demographics from census to census the first census tracts in New York City. It pioneered the first large-scale commercial use of the computer with the use of the Univac-1 following the 1950 census and the development of a film optical sensing device that could read every survey directly into a computer for the 1960 census. The agricultural and economic censuses that were taken every five years had their own data needs. Furthermore, an increasing amount of data gathering is conducted through monthly surveys and statistical estimates, such as the American Community Survey, rather than the more expensive decennial census, and for these more frequent surveys, accurate maps and GIS systems are required. How did all these address streets get into digital form? Well, thanks to the rapid evolution of geographic information systems from the 1960s to the 1980s, maps were digitized, encoded, and scanned. Next, these static data layers were published to the web. Next, dynamic data layers were published as web mapping services, and finally, the analytical tools themselves migrated to the online environment, modern GIS. The first map to be incorporated into a web page was displayed by the Mosaic web browser in 1993, and at the same time, the earliest static web mapping site was born, widely regarded to be the Xerox PARC, P-A-R-C, map viewer. Most web maps of the time were scanned paper maps, or, as in the case of the Park Map Viewer, GIF, G-I-F, or GIF, images delivered to the web browser. As the decade progressed, true web mapping services became a reality, where a user could customize what was displayed in his or her web map. MapQuest and Multimap began in 1996 as the first popular online address mapping and routing services, followed by Yahoo Maps in 2002 and Google Maps in 2005. Other base maps were being served online as well. TerraServer in 1998 served digital aerial imagery along with digital topographic maps. Partnerships with private remote sensing companies soon followed, allowing map users to display high-resolution imagery along with maps. Google, along with GIS companies ETAC, Navtech, Teleatlas, and others, greatly enhanced the accuracy and number of addressable features from the original Tiger and other geodatabases. The rapid development of GPS and location-based services allowed companies to update the mapping services in the field with their own vehicles and via other means. These also resulted in the ability to examine on-the-ground photographs via, for example, Google Street View 2007 and later Trail and Campus Views, and the ability to create one's own route and views via Mapillary, for example, 2014 to present. During this same time, the Open Geospatial Consortium defined a set of standards for distributing geographic data to facilitate the distribution of data and make layers of information easily accessible to Internet users. The consortium made the process of interacting with a large GIS much more streamlined, 
by placing the burden for extracting data on the server, and the results are sent to the web mapping service and displayed in the browser. Virtual globes, such as NASA's WorldWind 2003, Google Earth 2005, and ArcGIS Earth 2015, gave 3D capability to online map users. The development of Application Programming Interfaces, or APIs, for mapping paved the way for web maps to be incorporated into a wide variety of animations, web pages, and other media, and to overlay information from other sources. This was part of the Web 2.0's revolution beginning in 2004, when the web began to be used for a variety of resources by combining or, quote, mashing up, end quote, content including wikis, blog pages, RSS feeds, and social media such as Facebook and LinkedIn. By the end of 2015, in just one cloud-based GIS, ArcGIS Online for example, 12,000 new map layers per day were being created, and 8 billion base maps were being requested and generated per month. As GIS, web computing, remote sensing, sensor, field data collection devices, and other technologies described in these podcasts matured and converged, maps became almost ubiquitous. By 2004, online maps were already being used more frequently than email. Maps are on our phones, tablets, laptops, vehicles, public transportation, airports, airplanes, museums, libraries, and increasingly in virtual touch screens that can be displayed on any standard surface. Maps can now be viewed on devices as raster tiles and increasingly as smart vector tiles in 2D, 3D, from straight overhead, or in an oblique view, in a wide variety of themes from natural hazards, soils, ocean floor and ocean chemistry, ecoregions, topography, for phenomena in real time and also back in history, and at an almost infinite variety of scales, from global to approaching several centimeters. These maps are produced by nonprofit organizations, government agencies from local to global, private companies, and also increasingly by those outside the mapping and GIS profession city planners, epidemiologists, wildlife biologists, journalists, and also by ordinary citizens through OpenStreetMap and other means via citizen science. For a discipline in which the where question has always been paramount, such a plethora of maps and map data is nothing short of revolutionary to geography. Perhaps most revolutionary of all is that non-geographers are earnestly mapping their own discipline's data, from historians mapping historical battles to neuroscientists mapping the human brain, epidemiologists mapping the 2014 spread of Ebola or the 2020 COVID-19 situation, astronomers mapping the known universe in 3D, sociologists mapping social media postings to ordinary citizens mapping graffiti or invasive weeds via citizen science. But even the maps, data layers, and expanded map-savvy populace is still only part of the revolution. The ability to perform advanced spatial analysis and generate spatial statistics on that map data on those same devices using tools such as ArcGIS Online to understand patterns, linkages, causations, and trends is a reality and at the geographer's fingertips via spatial analysis. These web maps, services, and capabilities have changed how geography is taught from primary school through university level, as well as, I would argue, other disciplines. These technologies have allowed geographers to display and communicate their research results as never before, but they have also changed the research agenda for geography itself. 
they have expanded the application of geographic principles and theories far beyond departmental or disciplinary borders to any researcher asking the where and the whys of where questions. They have changed how the general public interacts with geographic tools and indeed changed the very nature of how people perceive their surroundings. And that, folks, is web mapping. Maps anywhere, at any time, of any place. Thanks for joining us on the Thinking Spatially podcast.